No country has ever prospered that failed to put its own interests first. We will no longer surrender this country or its people to the false song of globalism. New Right Network presents, right now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. Uh, this is Rob Harper with the New Right Network, Right Now Podcast. I'm your host, and my guest today is Andrew Says. Andrew, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good, good. Andrew is a freelance writer and political commentator. Andrew has gained a lot of fame with his commentary on Canadian and U.S. politics. Andrew, do you want to tell us a little about yourself? Well, I have a background in uh, radio broadcasting and writing and public relations. Um, started a YouTube channel a few years ago. Started getting some traction probably six months in. Um, just been freelance writing, doing video commentary. Uh, this year in 2019, I started going to doing man on the streets interviews for uh, topical issues, political issues, things like that. And it's really been a good time. It's been rough recently due to YouTube. Uh, really trying to put the stranglehold on everybody. So we've seen a significant drop in reach in that sort of regard. So that's mainly why I do what I do to call out media bias. That's mainly why I got into it. And now it's just a battle against the algorithms, I guess you could say. Right. Now, you said that just to call out the media bias. Do you see quite a bit of media bias in Canada? Um, sorry, did you say in, in Canada or just in general? Canada. And in general? Um, in Canada, it's a lot more softer, I'd say. It's not as hard-hitting, the bias. I call it uh, like a soft bias in many of the major news networks here. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of uh, blowing past the the explanation of it. They just sort of go with uh, false pretenses a lot. It's mainly in the television networks, I would say, here. The newspapers aren't as bad, or although there are some... The majority of them are left-leaning, but it's not as bad as you would see in the United States. Like, for example, our polling numbers up here in Canada, you could relatively trust that they're fairly accurate, whereas we can see in the United States that it's not very uh, truthful, depending on where you get it from. As for the United States, I would say that um, the media bias came to a head for me, and which is mainly why I got into doing things about political commentary and why I'd had enough was mostly the Clinton emails. I was reading the Clinton emails and I was watching the federal debates in the United States for the presidency. And I was like, there's no way anyone's going to mention anything in this. And then Trump actually did mention a bunch of the stuff in the emails. And then to watch Hillary Clinton and all the Democrats and the news media uh, cover for it and say that it was all lies and say that none of it was true was pretty much what pushed me into thinking that I had to, I had to start speaking up and saying something. Right. Now, Andrew, are you an American or Canadian citizen? I'm a Canadian, but I tell people I'm from all around the world. <laughs> okay. Now, that being said, I know that you guys have had, just from looking at the news here in the States, there's a lot of changes that's taken place there in Canada with the new Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, who was recently endorsed by our former American President, Barack Obama. How is Trudeau perceived in Canada? Is he well-liked? Well, that's very interesting, the Obama endorsement, considering he hasn't endorsed Joe Biden yet, which is a funny thing on its own. But in terms of the people I speak to here, 
There isn't much support for him. You can go back and find the people who've always voted for his party, who liked his father, who was the prime minister previously, that will vote for the liberals no matter what. But in terms of currently, when I go and speak to people, uh, right-leaning people don't like him for all his uh, scandals he's been involved with, the cultural shift he's tried to mandate, which he's now been exposed as a hypocrite for, and the left-leaning people have seen it only gone further left. Uh, they don't really support him. They don't think he's doing enough socialism, enough uh, social justice. So they lean towards the further left parties, which is the NDP, the New Democratic Party, and the Green Party as well. We're almost on the same page. For example, they are strict believers in the UN climate mandates and the UN refugee mandates and things of that nature. So there's not that much support that I see for him. But then again, Every three days, people forget what what's happened. Like his blackface scandal is already pretty much out of the media. So right. the su support for him is not high from what I can see. But uh, you never know because people forget every two days, like I said. Right, because here in America, he's the only person we see. You wouldn't be you wouldn't know that someone else is running against him because Justin Trudeau is definitely the favorite person here within our politics. And you mentioned the cultural shift that's taking place. There are a number of items that have been taking place in Canada that, you know, just re that really stands out. Jihadi Jack Leeds, Omar, the guy who killed an American citizen and received, I think, $10 million. Uh, the Jessica Jonathan Yanvin, I might be mispronouncing the name, the transgender who wanted to go into an all-female salon and have her his genitalia shaved. Uh, Mike Ward, the comedian who's fighting a fine because he was heckled by a lesbian. And when he went to make fun of her, of course, they find him. Uh, and then there was Jarish Bianca Labada, I think is pronounced, who recently uh, is a man, went to, committed a crime, was in an all-male prison. And the, I guess what you call is called the British Columbia Human Rights Tribunal. Uh, when he was in prison, they decided to give him women toiletry, women underwear and whatnot until they finally removed him to a female prison. Now, the United States hasn't gotten to that point, but I see it's happening. Give me some commentary on that. What are your thoughts on the first one, Jihadi Jack, and being expelled from, well, Europe didn't want him there, so they kicked him out. And I think one of your prime ministers or someone in Canada said, hey, we can't believe they wouldn't accept this guy back to the community. Who happens yes. to be a member of ISIS, I think. Mm -hmm, he was. Um, it's funny you mentioned all that. I was writing an article about all of these things and all of Canada's human rights tribunals issues that they've had. Um, in terms of Jihadi Jack, it was our defense minister, I think is his title, but his name's Ralph Goodale. And he said mm -hmm. it's a shame that the United Kingdom didn't accept him back because Canada, Justin Trudeau particularly, does have a history of saying that uh, former I don't know if he meant all terrorists or just ISIS fighters or what have you, but that they could be welcomed back into our community and can be a, a welcome member of our society, uh, contributors to our society, basically. So that's pretty disappointing. People are not, were not, and still, if you bring it up, are not happy that uh, they gave Omar Khadr $10 million. Now, the reason the government gives is that it would be less uh, costly to fight it in court as opposed to just doing an outright settlement. And I would attest that the people would rather spend a few extra dollars in court fighting, giving a terrorist money as opposed to just uh, handing it to him. Now, right. another, in 
another interesting thing about that is that they, in CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, which is publicly funded, uh, it's basically the same as the BBC. In Quebec, the French province we have, uh, they actually had them on TV and came out to friendly music and a little bit of applause. I'm not going to say they were amazed to see him, but it was very odd to see the public broadcaster welcoming this guy on TV with some cheery music for a friendly sit-down chat. As for the other cases, the human rights tribunals are basically laughed upon, I would say, by anyone who cares to, to talk about it or discuss it. They were established, in my opinion, to prevent backlogs in the court system for things like this and to have a direct line to social justice, as they call it. But now with things like Jessica Yaniv and this uh, Lovato character, they've become the, just a place where you can complain about anything, just like the multiple heckler cases from comedy clubs where these are now hate crimes if you make fun of people in the crowd for heckling. Right, because it seems just from what I was reading, the purpose of the tribunals was to take the backlog out of the real courts and, you know, try to mediate these cases so that they could just move on. But it seems that a lot of people are bringing up, you know, what I would consider unnecessary cases so that they are heard, given a verdict, a verdict that is more to the that's going to favor the person who's bringing the case before the tribunals and say, hey, we want. It's, it's hard to say, having not actually s sat in on any of them, but I have seen footage of some of the mm -hmm. Jessica Yaniv ones. Um, they don't come to a verdict right away. They take months and months because they don't want it to be in the media so much. And, of course, we do have uh, media embargoes, just like the UK. I'm not sure if you guys have them in the United States, but there are things like that where you're not allowed to talk to them because they think public opinion will sway the, uh, the decisions. So when it comes to... Uh, logging up the courts and everything. They try to keep everything on the hush-hush so that you can't really make a mockery of the court system here. I don't know how long things take in the courts uh, in the U.S., but here you get in a car accident, you want to appeal it, that's going to take like 13 months to see a, a judge about something that costs maybe $1,000. So our system is log-jammed, and I don't think this is helping any of it because they're not applying the standards that they say on the government websites for requirements to take things to these tribunals. You're supposed to try to go to an, arbi an arbitrator first. You're supposed to try to solve it outside of the court systems. And that should really be your last resort, which is what I believe, for real cases, not for comedians making fun of people or for being misgendered or anything. I'm not advocating for abusing people in any way. Uh, but it's just become silly, especially the one in B the one in B.C. seems to be taking anything they can. Um a male in prison asking for women's underwear and halal diets and all these things and being given uh, what they ask for in the British Columbia, which is the West Coast province, right above Seattle and everything, very liberal, the most liberal place in the country, I would imagine. Uh, they house people in prisons based on their gender, gender identity. So it's already off the rails. It's already in the silly territories, I, I would call it. It's gotten <laughs> to the point for me where I've had enough of the Canadian media coverage. It's no longer funny to me. It's gone past the point where I sit on, I sit and I try to watch Canadian news coverage and they just avoid the real issues. Everyone's crippled by political correctness. And it's really a sad state to watch, if you ask me. Right, because I, when I remember hearing about the Jessica situation whereby the man wanted to go into a female salon and have his genitalia, uh, you know, dressed up or what have you. And when they said no, the thought that always came to mind is, okay, if this establishment doesn't want to do it, why don't you do it yourself? 
or is there an ulterior motive? Are you purposely trying to bring this case up so that it can get attention? And I think that here in the United States, I think a lot of these, that's what's happening, especially with the cake bakers. You had a person, a gay couple, who wanted the baker to bake them a cake for their wedding. Now, apparently, the baker had baked numerous cakes for other gay couples, but not to celebrate that union because they felt, they felt that it was against their Christian beliefs. So it was blown completely out of proportion, it went on and on between the courts, and they said, hey, this is wrong, you're discriminating against me. Well, thankfully, the Supreme Court came back and said, no, you weren't discriminated against. But then they wanted to bring up another case to take it back to court. And my thought process is always, if this baker won't do it or this establishment, why not go to another? And people will say, well, if you do that, it's a slippery slope. And they might, let's say, deny a person because of their race. It's like, but that's not the same thing. So there's like all these twists and turns that people will introduce to these cases. So when I was looking at the Jessica situation or Jonathan, I was wondering, did he purposefully go to this particular salon because he knew they were going to object? Well, once they object, mm -hmm. the media gets it, and then it's just like a brush fire. Well, surprisingly enough, the media does not seem to be on Jessica's side in a lot mm -hmm. of these things. Um, she did go to over a dozen that she's taking to the human rights tribunals, which is pretty extraordinary in itself. But if you talk to, I've talked to trans people on the streets on my channel, Andrew Does, which is uh, just man on the street interviews. And okay especially in places like Toronto and Vancouver, British Columbia, there are places that will do these things for the transgendered community happily. So trans people will tell you themselves that there are places you can go. So when trans people are saying that this person's going out looking for trouble, I would, based on what I've read, I would be inclined to believe them. Nobody's trying, especially in Canada, people will go out of their way to be friendly to you and to accommodate you and to go after these people, um, who have different religious backgrounds and come from different countries who don't believe in it, uh, which I might may or may not agree with. I don't know these people personally, but right. a lot of the views from around the world I don't agree with. But to go after them and be like, hey, I know you disagree with me, so let me try to get you to do what I want, and then I'll just yeah. take you to court if you decline it, is pretty low if you ask me. And right. uh, there has been text messages out of this person who's been uh, pr prejudiced, to say the least, against these people. And uh, they actually put a couple people out of business. One of the cases right. was this woman's first client. She had just opened it out of her home. And uh, Jessica Jonathan was the first client that they received over email. And they said they didn't want to do it. And then immediately taken to human rights tribunal. It's uh, pretty ridiculous. But then on the other side, you have people, reporters going after uh, her constantly. And it's both sides. People can be scummy on both sides. But I, in this situation, I definitely think it's uh, Jonathan Jessica, who is in the wrong in this case. Also, if you didn't know uh, that she was part of organizing a, uh, I think it was ages 12 to 19 topless pool party with no parents allowed. That was a fun really? thing. You can you can find that poster out there. She was not in charge of it, I don't believe, but she promoted it. And then uh, the subsequent tweets and everything after was no parents allowed in this in this facility. Right. So do you think that from just being there, from what you've heard, men on the street, that the tribunals, do they seem fair, partial, or what is it exactly? Uh, people don't really care about them. It doesn't come up in, in, uh, in conversation or in topics. Like, this is the first thing I imagine people have heard about them. 
because uh, the comedian was like seven years ago, the first one, uh, the guy to be taken to court over making fun of his audience. However, um, I think the people who put such a thing, such as these human rights tribunal in place, would no doubt be in favor of them and the people who participate in the system that is the human rights tribunals. Listen, there's not many human rights atrocities going on in Canada, and I don't think the the number of them would over overwhelm the courts. We're pretty, there's very few places with violence in Canada. There's very few hate crimes, even though they are on the rise towards uh, Jewish people in particular in the West. And that's not to take a blind eye to anything. That's just what the statistics say. Um, I think if you're fighting to implement the human rights tribunals uh, out of thin air, which is where it seems to have come from, then you're probably on the side of them. So I don't know what goes on in the courts. I don't know anything about the people who are uh, making the decisions in the courts. It's usually, like it says, a tribunal. It's a bunch of unelected people making <laughs> these decisions. And I think it can the outcomes can be really unfair. Like Mike Ward, the comedian in Montreal, it's like $42,000 because he made a bad joke. I didn't think that joke is funny there's a video of him explaining it it's not that funny but should you be fined or go to jail for it i mean come on that's why that's why american free speech is my preferred style of free speech because <laughs> we don't have that here it's freedom of expression and now there's bills in in place where misgendering or uh insulting somebody's religion can can land you in jail or a fine luckily that sort of thing hasn't happened yet but uh, it certainly opens the door to it, and it, it establishes intent before you even have to prove it, which I disagree with. Right. Where do you think all this came from? Was it with Justin coming in, or was it a long time coming? It was just percolating, and now it's starting to, you know, be seen. It's been percolating, and it's uh, complacency. I had a semi-argument slash debate with somebody the other day where I was discussing how because uh, our Thanksgiving in Canada comes right uh, around Columbus Day every year. And there's this new trend out there um, where Columbus is an evil person. He's one of the worst people of all time. How dare he discover the Americas? And how dare he go to war with the tribes, the native tribes? Because as we know, all native tribes are one and they think the same and they are all peaceful and never have done anything bad. Right. So there's this narrative that Christopher Columbus is terrible. And the person asked me, why do I care about this? And I said... Uh, the reason I've started to care about this is because people have become so complacent that people are now rewriting history. In Canada, I forget where it was, but they took down the uh, statue of our very first prime minister because he's so terrible and evil. So that's the reason why I think these things are happening. People have become complacent. It's not Justin Trudeau's fault. He has just, uh, you know, he has his quips that he's famous for, his people kind um, saying that it's 2015, therefore we should put people in his cabinet just based on their gender. Uh, he's definitely perpetuated it, and that's what the left-leaning parties have further perpetuated. Even our conservative party is way to the left of anything libertarian or Republican that you could think of. It's all the same song and dance, which is why people are getting fed up, which is why uh, conservative leaders have been elected, I think, seven out of ten uh, premiers, which is equivalent to a governor, have been elected in the last five to seven years. It's all swinging. So we'll see what happens in the federal election. It's not Trudeau's fault. It's been percolating for a while because people don't pay attention to anything. Right. And it goes from being tolerant and friendly to getting, you know, pushed over and walked all over in terms of your ethics. Right. I, I agree. When people don't pay attention, you can easily slide anything over on them. 
look at Nazi Germany, what happened? People weren't listening. They weren't paying attention. And then before long, you have someone who's at the top and you're like, well, how did we get here? Well, you weren't looking. You took your eyes off of what was actually happening. People say, I don't want to be involved in politics. It doesn't affect me. But it does. Even at the most simple, the smallest level, we're all affected by it. And if we choose to look the other way, something horrible and bad will happen. I look at the states. I look at where we're headed, you know, with a lot of our politically correct. And a lot of people say that politically correct will definitely kill us. Like you, you say the conservatives are conservatives the same way. They won't say anything out of fear that if they say something, the media will attack them. Well, if you don't say anything, the media will attack you. And we have to have a few good people like you, like you said, you're man on the street, you're out there and you're taking a pulse. You're keeping a fingertip on the pulse. That being said, what are people telling you? What is the angst that's out there? Well, as Canadians, we aren't very reactionary people, but the biggest problem a lot of the time is giving our, giving our money away overseas, whether it's welcoming the most refuge, refugees in the world in 2018. And listen, we've never had a problem with welcoming refugees into our country. But for example, last year when people started flying in to, to New York and crossing the border and uh, our prime minister says everyone is welcome no matter what, uh, it becomes a problem when people who are not real refugees and are economic migrants, let's say uh, West Africa and Haiti. And listen, a lot of those people speak French, which is one of our uh, official languages, and we welcome them because it's much easier to integrate when you speak one of the official languages. But when you come here just because you want to make money, it becomes more difficult because people who gain refugee status in Canada, they get better health care than Canadian citizens, which is, of course, our socialized health care. They get a higher tier of it which means you get dental coverage, you get in-home coverage, you get all these extra benefits. You also get free housing and essentially a salary. I mean, it's not amazing, but it's still it's still given to you for free when you come from a place where you don't have it. And it's the same thing of, as Europe, obviously not nearly on a, such a massive scale as right. it was before, but it's the same thing where you're going to seek out the place that gives you the most free things. And that's not these people's fault. It's our fault for offering such a thing. Now, on the other side, uh, we still do reject a lot of applicants. It's not as bad as you may think. I remember doing a video of 11,000 people in one day trying to come to the U.S.-Mexico border. If that happened here, we might call it, we might have some sort of collapse uh, in right. our in, into a police state. So it's numbers-wise, it's not nearly as bad as it is in the United States. But it it comes to a point in Canada where people are upset with their bottom line, their money, our taxes are already high. Uh, some of the parties want to give free schooling, free tuition, uh, even more universal health care, closer to Bernie Sanders, because we still pay for things like anesthesia, hospital rides, prescription drugs, and even our school tuition is subsidized by the government. So we do have a pretty big safety net, and our taxes are high for that reason. So when people come in and they say, oh, we need more we need to take more money. We need to take more care of the vulnerable people. It comes to a point where people are saying, what about us? And then, of course, that's met with the uh, claims of bigotry and racism and everything, which, of course, is not an argument. So I would say money is the bottom line uh, for regular Canadians from east to west. The culture is probably a close second. Right. Now, you mentioned healthcare. Here in the States, we're grappling with that right now. What exactly or could you explain to the listeners the healthcare system in Canada? Well, it's pretty simple. Uh, our taxes are higher because we have 
free health care. But, for example, in a place, let's say California, where you have a lot of uh, undocumented immigrants, got to be careful to not say the forbidden word of illegal here. Right. Um, the you have long waits for hospital lines. Now you can go to a free clinic where you might, there's one down the street for me. There's, I'd say probably five in my city alone, a city of 180,000 people. Um, you walk in, you sit, you write down what you're there for. You check in essentially, you wait for maybe an hour. The doctor sees you, he might prescribe you something. He might send you to a specialist, something like that. Now things like specialists that might take you like six months to, to see because there's a huge wait list for that. Um, People aren't dying when they're waiting, but they could if they waited too long. And that's the reason why a lot of people go down to the United States. You still pay for your prescription health care. You still pay for ambulance rides. Uh, if you go to the hospital, you're likely in a semi-private room. So it, it's not amazing. But like, if you're poor, then you're obviously going to appreciate it. The difference is uh, with plans like Bernie Sanders and I think Elizabeth Warren might differ on him a little bit on this. But Bernie Sanders doesn't want to offer any free health care options. You can get an okay private health care option here for $100 Canadian, which is probably about $65, $70 a month for American dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, and you'll get a lot of things covered in better health care. It's the option of both, which I think makes people all right with it here. Whereas Bernie Sanders touts Canada's health care system all the time, and he doesn't even want that. He wants something much, much worse, and I don't understand that. Whenever you look into Bernie Sanders' policies, they all fall apart. They don't make any sense. Right. In terms of our health care, it's okay. It's not the best. But people have had it for 40, 50 years. They don't seem to want to give it up. Right. So let me just make sure that I'm understanding what you're saying. So you have the universal health care that takes care of all the citizens, but you can also pay for private insurance. Yes. Yeah, so you get, uh, just like your driver's license, you get a health card, which okay. is your public health card uh, issued whichever province you're in to so every if you to everyone okay. uh, you go to the hospital you present that you don't get charged for it if you do get private health care you get a private health care card which is what you present instead you have to turn in your id which you have to renew every five years anyway so it's not like form this line give up your id your your freedoms are lost okay you, you, you get a private health care card from whichever company you're working with uh I can't name, there's Blue Cross is the only one I can name off the top of my head. Um, and that's it. You get a new card and that's what you present to people. Depending on your coverage, you get allotted a certain amount per year for medication, for eye care, for things like that. So right. if you don't, if you want better health care, you can pay for it. That's the, that's the right. simple, that's why it works, I think. Right. Okay. So here in the States, you, you, you know, you work for a company, they provide you with health care. If you leave the, if you leave the company, you go to another company then they provide you with health care also. So in Canada, if you're working for a particular company and you have the private health care, if you leave that company, does the other company provide you with health care or is there an option you can take it or not take it? Um, you can always not take it if you don't want to, but you'll see on job postings here the type of health care they provide. They'll provide you, um, not every job, of course. You're, you're talking about corporate. Uh, a, a nice job, let's say, over 50,000 Canadian a year, which is not much compared to American salary, right. mind you. But you go, uh, jobs I've applied for, it says full dental medical coverage. So that would be a higher tier of healthcare. They're offering you a private healthcare option through their okay. company. If you leave there, then you're back to public unless you get a different job with its own private healthcare. And the public automatically kicks in if you leave and you don't have it. Well, you got to do some paperwork, but yes. Okay. Okay. 
okay, that makes sense. Because like I said here, you know, you have it, you don't have it, you know, go to the next company and they have it. But they've definitely, we've definitely been pushing that, you know, with the whole socialist idea. What are you hearing on the street from people about socialism? Um, <laughs> of course, they always refer to Scandinavian countries, but I saw a good quote the other day is you can't have socialism without having capitalism first because that's how they pay for it. Yeah. And uh, the Scandinavian countries will tell you themselves that they're not socialists. They have, I believe, higher free market index scores than North Americans do. And they're just a small homogenized countries where you can slowly increase your social safety nets. In terms of socialism, you're only going to get that from college students when uh, <laughs> when they're not really paying for anything. I remember when I was younger, I had a conversation with my friend and uh, we were saying, you know what, isn't it weird how we were thought to, we were instilled in us to think that socialism is a bad word. And then a few years later, I only knew how wrong I was when, it, <laughs> when you start paying your own bills and everything. So I don't think people have a full understanding of socialism. I don't see anyone touting it here. You have to think again, we don't have as many huge cities as you guys have. You guys have places where you have football teams dwarf our, our cities. Like I was watching the Kansas City game the, yesterday, and the, it's much bigger than most of our cities. We have Toronto, Montreal, Calgary and Vancouver. Those are our biggest cities talking about over a million people. Maybe Edmonton as well. So there's a lot of people in between who don't buy into the the monolith of of city center thought. And even people within those are immigrants from from places that don't necessarily agree with that. We have so many Chinese immigrants here that do not want any form of socialism or communism. That's why the whole uh the whole method that the Democrats in the United States have pull people in from other places to vote for us doesn't exactly work here because we bring in Chinese immigrants who want to work, who aren't aren't happy with the the LeBron James viewpoint of China right now, and they come here and they work they they work and we love them for it. Just like uh, we, we I was discussing with my friend the other day how much we love uh, immigrants from India. They're friendly, they're nice people, they adapt to the culture, and they work hard and places like Markham, Ontario, which is a, a well-off city north of Toronto, they are trying to expel refugees. Now, whether you agree with that or not, the fact is, is they don't want people coming to the country uh, who aren't going to work as opposed to how they got here, which is <clears throat> a lot of hard work and a lot of patience. And, and, and that's something you can get behind because if you look at the st statistics on the Canada government website, uh, fewer than 50% of refugees are employable in their entire lifetime with less, I believe it's within the first five years, less than 10%. And over a lifetime, it's far, far, far below the average employment rate. Right. How do Canadians view Americans? Um, essentially is the same. I think it used to be worse uh, before the internet age really took over. People used to say that they were just are, are dumber natives to the south, but I think once you look into things, it's uh, it it we're pretty much the same. I have a friend that's uh, been to America a lot in his life. His family traveled a lot when he was younger, and he said that a lot of people were were way friendlier, just in, not way fr not nicer, just friendlier in different ways. And things are are more free. You have more choice, so it's much easier to um, I don't want to use the word ignore, but you just don't. Uh, it's it's just not the same because it's not like is close knit. You're not all going to the same place. You have all these options, which is something he really enjoyed. Now, I went on a school trip to Chicago, and it was one of the nicest places I've ever been to. Uh, obviously, in the downtown portion of it, um, 
everyone said hello the bus driver we had said hello to like 200 people that came onto the bus uh, everybody who was working in service um was very kind and it was a much cleaner city than toronto for example now that just might be uh, a situation where this the city center is kept really clean and the outside right. of it is not location it definitely a, that. right it was definitely a different experience where pretty much everyone was white and black because we're used to we do have a ton of Caribbean immigrants here, but also we have a lot of Chinese people, a lot of Middle Eastern people. It was just a com it was a completely different uh, experience to see uh, everyone just getting getting along. Whereas in Canada, when you have a lot of people in Toronto that are from different backgrounds, it tends to get segregated naturally. I think, uh, which can be good in some ways. You develop your own little neighborhood, but it's also bad in some ways because there are places where uh, it's only in people's native languages and you you can't even read the signs if you're if you speak English so that's a little weird but right. in terms of how we see America I've grown in the last few years to to see how much more freedom you guys have in terms of speech in terms of uh, saying what you want in terms of even advertising I mean uh, well, here moment, one of the at, at the moment mm -hmm. I'll say we have those uh, freedoms but there's definitely a push to take away some of the freedoms, especially in certain states, like in California, like if you if you say illegal, they're looking at well, you should be fined, you know, for saying that. And you know, the same thing with comedians, and only certain comedians can say certain things. So it's not the the law here, but it's definitely frowned upon. Or people, I'll, I'll say, PC correction steps in, and people will shame you for it. And then the point that you made as for as segregation, there are parts of this of, of the United States that are still segregated. And the larger cities is not as much, but some of the smaller towns, you'll probably still see handful of blacks here and whites there. And then I would say within that community, only one Chinese family. But I think what, it, it's growing and it's changing, but I think this push to say that if it, if it hasn't changed now, it's bad. And the reason why it's bad is because there's racism. I, I think that's a bit, overdoing it and uh, overselling or stating what the obvious is. You know, if there are only a few black families here, of course, you're going to have more whites. But I think that the PC police, they are definitely ruining society and it seems to be spreading all over. So in your travels to the States, do you ever or have you done man on the streets in the United States? No, I have not. I have <laughs> not I, all the times I've been in the United States, uh, the last one was uh, just over a year ago, I think I went to Buffalo for a hockey game. Of course, I did. I'm Canadian. Um, no, I did. I was not doing those interviews at that time. No. Right. Right. So the man on the streets that you're doing there in Canada, does the po the politics of the U.S. has it ever come up? It does come up. I've done videos explicitly about uh, the United States, and I will be doing more because it's interesting topics to see how much people believe. Like I said, it's a uh, it's soft bias here where they just gloss over statements and pretend as if they are fact. That is the worst thing that I see. We have a channel here that's a 24-hour news channel that has 25% of the screen is dedicated to live news where the rest is just uh, tickers, sports, news, weather, that sort of thing. And the things they put on their headlines, if you were to just read them and believe them, then you'd come away with a much worse impression of U.S. politics than if you actually knew what you were talking about. Now, when I ask students in Toronto, for example, about Donald Trump, they have uh, a warped view, and at the, but at the same time, they have some sort of solace that it's not there, and they can live in their 
fantasy utopia that they believe is Canada, but they, it does affect them whether they want to believe it or not. Uh, how they view U.S. politics, it's hard to tell unless you start getting into deep conversations with them, but Canadians tend to shy away from these conversations when they do not know what they're talking about, which is something different that you see on videos like I was watching today, Fleck is Talks, uh, slightly offensive, where people will just say anything and then call other people idiots when they clearly have no idea what they're talking about. At least in Canada, I can say that the people will say, I don't know enough about that, which can be a cop-out, of course, but most of the time they are right. being truthful. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so you said that they'll just like gloss it over, it won't say much, but going back to our conversation earlier as to the things that are taking place in Canada, what are people saying about this? I mean, are they concerned about the jihadi guy, the Omar, uh, Jessica, and the comedian? I mean, we hear about it, and of course, we're told about it because we're, we're said that, hey, look, look at what's happening here, you know, and they're going to make this right. But what are the folks, I mean, is anyone being open? Or are they afraid to give their, you know, true opinion as to what's happening? People are afraid to give their opinion, but they also, unfortunately, do not care. You, you see the news cycle, even when Justin Trudeau did blackface, it was in the right. news for two days. The conservatives pretended they were offended by it because they wanted liberals to vote for them. And then two days later, they did not care. The federal debates, nobody talked about Jihadi Jack. Nobody talked about blackface. Nobody talked about the one candidate, um, Elizabeth May, which is the Green Party leader. Uh, I believe it was in 2015 or 2016, she said that he was a better Canadian than, than the current conservative prime minister at the time, which is a ridiculous statement to make. Nobody's holding each other's feet to the fire. They just hope it all blows over, which is why people are now looking for alternative voices, whether it be uh, slightly right or far <laughs> left, to be completely honest. I was going to say far right, but it's not. There exists a very uh, seldom far right movement. I believe that's mostly exists online, but uh, two of the political parties here are very far left in terms of what they want to implement. Uh, do people care about these terrorists coming to our country or uh, being paid out? Of course they care. Um, when, when you talk to them, they're not happy about it most of the time, no matter what political uh, side they're on. But, but they're not it gets, protesting. There's no protesting. The most protesting you'll get is uh, a small Antifa section protested Dave Rubin and Maxime Bernier in Hamilton, which is an hour west of Toronto. Um, those are the only people you see protesting. There is the climate protest, which is, of course, it's, it's Toronto. You're expecting these people from these communities where they're overly privileged, but yet want to call themselves oppressed. They live in one of the most expensive places in the world. It's a disturbing reality to come to come to face to face with. I was in the um, gay community with a, a person who works for the YouTube channel called the Color Conservatives. He was asking people tough questions. Nobody freaked out. Nobody had a problem with it. I would wager that most of these protests that do happen are contrived by people that um, that are paying for these thing, things to happen. The biggest one I can remember in recent history was a Black Lives Matter in protest in Toronto, which was a uh, <clears throat> calling Justin Trudeau a terrorist and a white nationalist. Justin Trudeau is a lot of things, but he's not a racist. He's not a white nationalist. He's not any of those things. So um, once those things start to happen, people start to turn on them because we are just gentle Canadian folk. When the Toronto Pride Parade uh, exiled the Toronto police from uh, participating in their march, they just went to New York. I mean, right. people don't really care. You're allowed to have your opinion. But like you said, once... Uh, 
uh, once the PC police come in, people cower pretty quickly in terms of Toronto. Are there protests? Some, not many. Right, because I mean, I've got to be honest with you, this whole thing with Jessica wanted a genitalia shape, you would have thought that he was here in the United States because he talked about it consistently on all the 24 news channels. Uh, going back to uh, the Justin Trudeau in the blackface, do I think he's a racist? No, I don't think that he is. I think he probably made a mistake, but many mistakes. Know, <laughs> oh, yeah, because <laughs> there's this monks one of them. But people talked about it, you know, talked about it for quite some time. It was all over Twitter. I tweeted about it, you know, and then slowly something else happened and then it died down. And then every so often it will come back up. And then the thing with the latest, it'll probably come up again with Barack Obama endorsing him and not endorsing Joe Biden. And people are saying, wait a minute, he's endorsing Justin Trudeau, the guy with the black face. Now, again, is the guy mm -hmm. a racist? No, he made a mistake amongst others, like you said. But I think that there are a lot of people here that want to keep it going to say, hey, you know, he's going to endorse this guy and look at what's happening. And I think it's a fair question. I mean, a fair assessment to say you're going to endorse him, but you're not going to endorse Joe Biden. And why are you overseas, you know, not overseas, but in another country meddling around with those politics? Yes. But here people will get out. They will protest. They will get up in your face and they will tell you exactly what they think. And I think it's been percolating for quite some time. And with the advent of social media, people have a voice, albeit they can hide behind that voice, hide behind their avatar online and say whatever the heck they want to say. As opposed to, like you said, in Canada, you know, they'll say, yep, they'll talk about it, and then they'll move on. We here in America, <laughs> we have those rights, and sometimes I think the rights are abused. And when we don't want the other side to talk about it, we use a PC police to come out, you know, and shut them down. Let me touch on a couple of those things. When I said Justin Trudeau made multiple mistakes, I was specifically referring to at least three times when he's done blackface. He has said that yep. he's not sure how many times he's done it, which is pretty ridiculous, because I think for most people, the number is zero. Um, right. He did. He did it. He sang Deo in blackface on stage one time. He, for some reason, at a whitewater rafting trip, dressed as a in complete full body blackface with with some sort of apparatus in his pants, making funny faces. Won't explain why that happened. And then the other one was at an Arabian Nights party, which he dressed in blackface and somehow was trying to play Aladdin. Right. <laughs> now, in terms of Barack Obama endorsing him, I don't understand it either. I don't understand where you can not see the hypocrisy here, but I have to give a shout out to to Rebel Media for they've covered the blackface thing. They do pe hold people's feet to the fire um, in terms of Jessica Yaniv. They covered him the most. Now, whether you agree with them on the whole or not, they are doing some of the best work in terms of that. I don't agree with them on anything uh, or on everything, rather, but I do support them for that reason. In terms of the protests, and I want to touch on uh, things like Antifa and uh, claims of racism. Every time I search into racism in the United States, it seems to come up as having the same history. And I think you know what I'm talking about here, where um, a lot of people don't know that it was the Democrats who started a lot of this thing, these right. things, um, from Jim Crow law to segregation, or not rather started it, but didn't want to put an end to it in right. a couple of those instances. Now, in terms of the protests like Antifa, I think it has been building... A lot of these people have seen the protests, which are known to be funded. Uh, I, I recall the name Scott Fovel. I recall the name George Soros funding these things in Project Veritas under, undercover videos where they were trying to do uh, terroristic events at the Deplorable. Now, right. I think pe people Project have... Project Veritas exposed them. 
Yes, and I think people see these types of protests and whether they get involved directly with these organizations uh, it remains to be seen, but I think they do copycat and they see how they do them. I mean, they're not getting the, these signs are too well made to be made on the spot or the day before. Uh, these chants and these uh, calls to action are too across the board to just be coincidental. You sure you might be copying some other people's chants, albeit them terrible chants that don't right. really do anything for your cause. But I do think there has to be funding behind them. When I look at any organization, whether it's the Women's March, uh, the March for Our Lives, Black Lives Matter, things of that nature, and now uh, what's the climate one? Uh, resistant or Extinction Rebellion. They all seem to have similar, if not the same, backing behind them. And they come up out of nowhere, and they have these friendly names uh, to get people onto their side and to stop people from accusing them of wrongdoing. But they all seem to be, come fr be coming from the same funding, the same types of people who simply want to cause civil unrest in the United States. And I think that's a horrible thing. Exactly. Well, Andrew, I've got to say, I have enjoyed this conversation uh, with you. Where can people find you online? Because like I said, you have done a lot of uh, political commentary on both U.S. and Canadian politics. They can find me at youtube.com slash Andrew says, as well as youtube.com slash Andrew does. If you want to see me do interviews, Andrew says on pretty much everything, Andrew says TV on Facebook and Twitter. And then Andrew does on Instagram. Cause I did start that one not too long ago to push my videos. I will continue to keep doing this. I've really had enough of the Canadian media. I've had enough of, uh, watching Democrats, on TV, just say the same things over and over again. They don't want to help America. They just want to cause people to, to be angry and to hate their president. It's become so annoying, especially when they point to places like my country of Canada where Bernie Sanders touts as the saving grace and he's not even replicating it the same way. So it's really become a, a point where I think people need to stand up and say something. You don't have to go out and make videos. You don't have to go out and protest. You just talk to people and try to change their minds for what you see as a better future and uh, watch my videos. YouTube is throttling me. They, as Tim pool talks about, they downrank anything downrank, anything that's not Fox, CBS, NBC, ABC. So people need to share things that they agree with. You don't have to say anything controversial, Let other people do the talking for you if you agree with their opinion, but at least try to do something because as you've said, complacency is what has got us in this political correct nightmare that we are currently in. Exactly. Folks, there you have it from a Canadian, Andrew says. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. You've been listening to the new Right Network, Right Now podcast. I'm Rob Harper, your host. Thank you. Tune Thank in you. again next time. Goodbye. You've been listening to New Right Network, mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com.